Hello, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home to NARC Troopers. Today, we're talking about how the narcissist is a harbinger of doom. Yes, they usher in a new reality that forces a reckoning. Now you're thinking, that's not a bad thing, a reckoning. Well, let's take a look at that. The entanglement with a narcissist is more than it appears when you first see it or get in it. It possesses power and danger unlike any other relationship with any other kind of person ever. The narcissist is a force of nature that rips through your geography, uprooting everything turning it upside down, picking it up and spinning it around in midair, then slamming it to the ground, wrecking everything, destroying everything in its path. Sounds like a tornado, right? That's a force of nature. I saw Twister. I know what this is. You know, we're having like lots of tornadoes these days, lots of narcissists these days. Well, you may stare at it in awe and wonder, what is this magnificent beast, you may ask. You are enchanted and enthralled by its savage beauty, its energy, its vibration, its seductive pull, kind of like the Death Star on Star Wars, right? The glittery, magical aura of something so intense so powerful, so unusual and rare that your heart pounds in your chest and your breath becomes labored as you feel a disquieting ache of desire that starts in your chest and radiates downwards as you become dizzy and drunk with a primal hunger for something that you have never felt before and, well, um, something that can only be fed by surrendering to this thing this thing that is incomprehensible yet undeniable and irresistible and then you fall you fall into their web and become entangled in a billion beautiful threads that hold you in place and keep you bound you surrender willingly not even putting up a fight the sweet decadence of it all is beyond measure as your senses explode into fire and light, as you feast on the delicious experience of complete fusion, merging, synchronicity, oneness, and enmeshment. You experience sensory overload as every taste and smell and sound and touch is electric and imbued with such vivid color and texture that you can never ever return to the monochromatic world of reality. The fantasy subsumes you, swallows you, lights you up from the inside out. You feel the heavy meatiness of your bodies as you float weightlessly into the sky. That's like two opposite things, you know, like a paradox or a dichotomy or something. How can you be heavy and weighted down and at the same time buoyant and floating? Well, such is the mystery of a relationship with one of these uh, people, you know, 
the jubilance and elation are dripping with black ink and gray swollen storm clouds, but you perceive it as beautifully dark designs on a perfect canvas. Never have you felt like this, the electricity that makes your hair stand up when a storm approaches, fills you when they are near. A current, like an electrical current, runs through you and vibrates energy that is supernatural when your skin touches theirs. They are a wizard, and you, their enchanted mistress. It is something not of this world, and it is both heavenly and demonic. The narcissist is a harbinger of doom. So what do you do? What do you do when you have spent years or maybe decades in this alternative alternative like reality of bliss and horror? Ambient abuse is an insidious thing. Ambient abuse is the stealthy, subtle underground currents of maltreatment and sometimes they go unnoticed even by the victims themselves until it's too late. Ambient abuse penetrates and permeates everything, but it is, it's difficult to pinpoint and identify. It is ambiguous, atmospheric, and diffuse. Ambient abuse refers to a kind of subtle, barely noticeable, under-the-radar abuse that you might not even realize is happening. It creates an unsettling and disturbing atmosphere of fear, anxiety, mistrust, uncertainty, and instability. Over time, you feel the effects, even though you were never certain about what exactly was happening, what was going on, you don't know, it's hard to say. It's unlike anything else, and so, you know, what do you do? The covert narcissist may seem like such a nice person, and in so many cases, they seem to be the victim in the relationship. That's how it looks to the outside world a lot of the time. Um, the way that they have perfected their poor, pitiful me routine and proclaim so convincingly that that person was so mean to me. They must be crazy. I never did anything wrong, but they are just crazy psychos. The problem is that the majority of the world has no idea what they are dealing with. And so they just buy all this, this, this stuff, you know, they buy it hook, line and sinker. They gobble up the convincing lies and they become um, the abuser's most avid and rabid supporters and defenders. They have all been played just as much as the abused partner gets played. The narcissist is seductive, charming, and puts on a performance of a lifetime. They should get an Academy Award. Um, and the weird thing is, you know, I think that they believe their own performance. They sort of morph into that character and you know, forget Stanislavski's fourth wall concept of acting, 
the one that Marlon Brando perfected, you know, where he really just gets into his role and becomes that person, whether it's that crazy guy in the jungle in Apocalypse Now or whether it's in Stanley in Streetcar Named Desire. Do you know what I'm talking about, these references? They're the, they're the actors that just become the role, kind of like Heath Ledger did when he was the Joker in Batman. Look what happened to him. So the narcissist is like that. They become whatever they're pretending to be, and they believe it too. It's crazy, right? Who can do that? Um, you know, it is the covert narcissist that can charm your pants off and convince everyone that they can do no wrong. Their strategies allow them to systematically break down the people around them and to maintain a show of superiority. In contrast with overt narcissism, this show of superiority um, often comes in the form of loud boasts and attention-grabbing behavior. They're the brutes in this world. Brutes. I love that. People don't use that word much anymore, but that's what they are. They are the overt narcissist is a brute. And, um, you know, they, um, you know, let me just insert this. Sam Vaknin. <laughs> We're back to him. I love quoting Sam Vaknin. He's amazing. He says that there's a movement happening that's affecting how the DSM-5 categorizes types of narcissists, and they are moving towards thinking that the covert, vulnerable, shy narcissist is the only narcissist, and that the overt narcissist really isn't a narcissist at all. They're really more some kind of a psychopath, primary psychopath or secondary psychopath, or maybe even a sociopath, but they're not really even narcissists. To be a real narcissist, it's just the covert kind, the ones that fly under the radar, that apparently seem like the perfect boyfriend, the perfect husband, or the perfect wife, or the perfect girlfriend. They're those people that have everybody fooled. Mm -hmm. That's your true narcissist. So I think we need to, you heard it first here, well, I heard it first from Sam Vaknin, and then I researched that, and um, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's kind of where that's going. They're kind of lumping all the personality disorders together, you know, cluster A, B, and C, because um, that includes like borderline, histrionic, you know, stuff like that. And and if that's true, you know, it is a mental illness. It's not just a personality flaw or something, you know, that that's... The, the term itself minimizes it or somehow, uh, you know, discounts the severity and the gravity of this mental condition. They have brain damage. They have things fundamentally, intrinsically, horrifically wrong with them that uh, create a kind of uh, sickness in them where they can't function as normal human beings. They can't have a a regular life with long-term relationships and a career and all that kind of stuff, you know, that, that doesn't happen. And that's why it's, it's so much more than um, what people think it is. You know, everybody's got some narcissistic qualities. I do, you know, I don't want to get all old and shrivelly. I want to stay as youthful as possible as long as possible and do whatever I have to do to make that happen. 
that's my narcissistic ego part, my vanity speaking, you know, but, uh, which is messed up kind of that women have to do that. But no, we're talking about pathological, malignant, covert narcissism that prevents people from, from having an identity, having morals, having relationships and success in life that last, they can't have lasting love or intimacy with anyone ever. Uh, they bounce around place to place, job to job, person to person. They're nomads. They're predators. They have brain damage. They're mentally ill. And that's just the hard truth. It's much worse than, than it appears to be once you start digging into it and looking at what is wrong with them and what that prevents them from doing and being. It's, it's horrible. Um, it is severe. So let's see what was I talking about. Um, uh, so they've got everybody fooled, right? Um, and they can maintain this, this, um, false persona, this facade. And, um, so the covert narcissist, which like I said, is probably the only real narcissist, the process of, of what they do, the symptoms that they have and all that sometimes are impossible to recognize. You know, they sometimes put themselves down, downplaying their talents, continually looking to be humble, but they also rewrite history, twist the story. They tell half truths and fantastical truths and fantastical confabulations and, and fabrications. They lie. They invent things. They believe their own lie. They, they uh, change the past, fill in the blanks that they don't remember because they have amnesia. You know, that's a characteristic. They don't remember any kind of intimate, personal, emotional moments and connection to other human beings because they were faking it. So when it's time to go, they just hit a button and erase those people like they never existed. And they have no memory of that, of, of what you thought was happening when you thought you were having an intimate connection with them. That wasn't what that was. That was them reflecting your feelings back to you. For them, they never really felt it. And man, talk about something that just breaks your heart. If that doesn't do it, I don't know what will, right? Um, they believe their own delusional, magical thinking. And covert narcissists cause more severe trauma to others and destroy more lives than just about any other of these personality disordered people. Covert narcissists are sometimes Machiavellian by nature, but, you know, to be that manipulative and deliberatively cunning con artistry kind of stuff, opportunistic. Sure. The narcissist is all that because he needs fuel. He needs to feed. He needs to, um, supply nourishment for that emptiness and dark hole that is inside of him. And so it may appear Machiavellian, but that also implies they know what they're doing. And I don't think they do. I, on some degree, they know they're not like other people. They know that they're different and they tell themselves it's because they're special, but they do recognize that they're not your typical bear, you know? Um, they know that much, but as far as like giving them credit for plotting out these elaborate manipulations, 
I think it just comes natural, like breathing, you know? Does a lion in the jungle think about manipulating his prey? No, he just eats it. He just rips its throat out and eats its intestines and gobbles it up and then goes on. And there's no, there's no premeditated murder. There's no mal malice or desire to harm. There's no, um, oh, he's a cunning guy. You know, no, he's just a hungry guy who needs to feed. Um, you know, Machiavelli said, it is much safer to be feared than loved. And this dark ethos is a tactical blueprint um, for those who are motivated to strategically exploit love and compassion from other people to ensure dominance and superiority. But let me just say, even though it appears Machiavellian and like they're leveraging that idea to get what they want, like I said, I'm reluctant to say that's the case because again, they're just predatory. They're, they're hungry, ravenous, they're empty and they feel that hunger and they have to eat. And there are ways that they have to do that. And I don't think it's anything personal, you know, you're just food. Um, so, you know, the sneaky, there's sneaky forms of stealth psychological abuse that happen with both ambient abuse and covert narcissistic abuse. Um, and they're difficult to identify and diagnose, which makes all of that so much more dangerous. So I don't know, does it really matter whether they are intentional and deliberate and hold malice when they do these things that they do? Either way, you're gonna get eaten. Either way, they're gonna slay you. They're gonna murder you. They're going to eviscerate you. You know what that is. Eviscerate, rip you open and tear out your entrails. <laughs> you know, either way, that's how it ends. So, uh, you know, you could sort of obsess about that. Like, did they know? Did they do it on purpose? Eh, did, I don't know. I don't think so. It's possible. I think not all narcissists are cut from the exact same cloth because it's on a spectrum like autism and like, um, you know, schizophrenia and other things, you know, you can have a light case, you can have a heavy case and be so impaired. You can't even do anything except just roam around homeless talking to yourself. Um, you can have be somewhere in the middle. And I think it's that way with, um, with cluster B disorders. Um, sometimes they're stacked and you've got layers of all different kinds on top of each other. And it's just a mess. Um, you know, the abused partner comes to believe that they are the ones who are abusive and irrational sometimes. That kind of cognitive dissonance, that kind of gaslighting, that kind of um, delusional thinking that happens to the victims, you know, that's, it's messed up because they end up thinking maybe it's them when the whole thing is just, you know, totally irrational. Ultimately, the covert vulnerable narcissist will be ready to move on to some fresh, undamaged source of fuel and supply. And when they finally discard their partner, which can be weeks, months, years, or even decades, depending on how much they were um, benefiting from that, that partnership, from that pairing, 
you know, they will always dispose of their partner sooner or later uh, and quickly reinvent themselves into someone else, you know, and they'll do it like none of that ever happened. Even if it was 40 years, they'll act like it never happened at all, which is mind blowing, isn't it? I think it is. The reaction to such sudden and mind-blowing abandonment is not for the faint of heart. Most victims don't even see it coming. They're blindsided. And many narcissists are swearing love and making promises and being cutie patooties and so affectionate right up until the day they abruptly exit the relationship. You don't even know. It's like they change within minutes. How can that be? That's That in itself is some insane stuff, right? People don't do that. You don't go from one extreme to the other in just minutes, just flipping it like that, you know, like you just flip a switch. You know, most of the victims are going to experience, experience a complete collapse that involves all parts of their body, mind, and soul, or at least most of them. You know, they're, they're going to have peptide addiction on a cellular level that will demand a reckoning, like we talked about earlier, and turn the world upside down with irrational and incoherent cravings, kind of like withdrawal from heroin. There are neurochemical dysregulations in the brain of the victim that, um, you know, with the levels of serotonin and cortisol and dopamine and all of that stuff, there's a host of other chemicals that just flood your system. Panic and anxiety, you know, the whole parasympathetic nervous system uh, is disrupted and you go into sort of fight or flight mode. Um, you could experience an adrenal meltdown and have adrenal fatigue, emotional crumbling, uh, the trauma in the body, the somatic part of this the way that that manifests, it just cries out. The inner child who is eternally wounded is screaming inconsolably in abject agony. And the spirit, your spirit, your soul, your faith is shattered beyond comprehension. It's an existential crisis, everybody. It really is. This is not your regular, normal breakup. It is an apocalypse of the soul. I think I made that up. I don't remember ever hearing anyone else say that or write that. Um, I use a common language that everyone uses about narcissism. So a lot of it is just sort of distilled from various research I've done and tried to make into simple terms to explain this to you guys. But I think I made up apocalypse of the soul because I feel like that's what happened to me when my husband abandoned me and discarded me three years ago, guys, I'm counting. It is a complete annihilation. Um, it's the death of your former self. It's like they murdered you, really murdered you. And, um, but what can you gain from such a death and complete, um, annihilation? Well, I think that's the hardest part to wrap your mind around. How could something so devastating have a silver lining? <sighs> well, this is really hard to accept, but I'm going to say it. Most people will agree that the narcissist served a good purpose. Yeah, I know, right? Doesn't that sting a little bit? I, it's like when people used to say that to me, 
I wanted to just choke them, <laughs> choke them out, say, shut up. You're crazy. That's horrible, mean things to say. How could what happened to me be a good thing? My gosh, it's a tragedy beyond words. It's the worst thing I've ever experienced. What are you talking about? But you know, the narcissist makes it possible to live without turning um, outwards, you know, and they force you to turn inward and upward and heal in ways that maybe never would have been possible if you had just stayed living in that shared psychotic fantasy with this delusional union with this mentally ill person, the narcissist, you know, if you had, st it seems like that's just the perfect place to be, especially since the world is so shitty right now, but it's not the best place to be because it's not real. How is that? It's like being asleep and dreaming and saying, I don't even want to wake up and face the real world. Just let me sleep until it's time to die. That's a horrible way to have an attitude about your life, right? Um, so maybe this narcissist in your life is the wake up call that demands that you heal and have reinvention. Cause if you don't, you're going to cease to exist and just perish, you know, in order not to die, we have to fight for our lives. You know, really there's no other choice. Is there? And the fight, you know, we come to understand ourselves and how to fill in all the blanks and to color in all the missing pieces so that we become whole and healthy. Maybe for the first time in our lives, we learn how to heal our injuries, rewrite our toxic scripts and programming, stop the dependence on others to give our life meaning and all that learned helplessness and everything and to be free to experience life on our own terms. This is a state of being the narcissist is never going to be able to achieve, but we can, right? We can, we can overcome our addiction to them, regulate our emotions, take care of ourselves and become the individuals who can stand in reality and be strong enough and grounded enough that we can face anything without the need to escape into realms of fantasy and illusion, which is exactly what your narcissist did with his life. That was his response to the whatever happened to him that made him this way. You know, we can live life without false gods and false memories and false beliefs and false truths that were all hallmarks of the relationship with the narcissist. We can recover. They can never be well. And isn't that what this is all about? Living a life rooted in truth, fearlessness, ethics, empathy, and meaning. We should celebrate what we can achieve and forgive the narcissist for what they did to us. Because, you know, you have to give them to God and pray for their souls so that they maybe can achieve some kind of peace or truth one day, if not in this life, maybe the next one, because until then, you know, you can't worry about that. You can't help them because of them. We are survivors with dignity and grace. We have to stand together as a tribe of truth sayers and warriors and help one another on this incredible journey called life. And we're going to take the good with the bad and leverage the bad 
to make ourselves better and to help other people who need our help. So that's my message for today, guys. The narcissist is harbinger of doom. He ushers in a period of destruction and death only for you to crawl out of that, dust yourself off, somehow get up and get on with it. That's what we have to do. You know, the world we live in is tasking us to problem solve and to prepare and to be um, strong because, you know, in the world we live in, what happens to the weak? They perish. You can't just get knocked down and lay there in the road bleeding and waiting for all the other cars and trucks and stuff just to run over your carcass. You got to get up and get out of the way. Crawl to the edge of the road and then get to your knees and then get to your feet and then get on with your life. That's what we have to do. And I know that that's not nurturing you and petting you and saying, Oh honey, Oh sweetie, it's going to be okay. Well, you know, in the bigger picture, probably yes, but it doesn't feel okay. Not right now, not today. We've got to work on that and, and be fearless and be strong and get out of the road, right? Get up, get, get out of the road. Um, you don't want to get injured any more than you already are. All right, guys, much love to you. Hang in there. Be fierce. Embrace the truth. Uh, keep your faith going and uh, one foot in front of the other one day at a time. Love you all. Bye.